Well, good. Well, if you have a sheet, um, pull that out. And so we're going to be talking about Acts chapter 6 um, today. And so let me uh, pray for us and then we'll um, jump into that. Um, Lord, we, uh, we ask on this holiday weekend, uh, Lord, that you would uh, give us focus um, and uh, good conversation uh, with one another. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would um, help us uh, either encourage us or help us understand where our lives are not lining up with truth as we look at your word this morning. Uh, Father, help us be present and uh, learners. Father, we praise you and we thank you in Christ's name. Amen. All right. So, um, so the conversation I want to have for you today is a conversation actually I had uh, with my son, uh, who's 11. Um, he's going into middle school this year, and so I have uh, spent some time uh, doing um, some discipleship with him. I uh, thought he was ready uh, to do that, to have certain conversations. And the first conversation I had was this conversation about um, the difference between being a Christian and being a disciple. Um, and so Christian is a good word. We want to be Christians, okay? We're not like putting that word away. But uh, I would say, and maybe I would assume a lot of you would agree, that Christian, it, it means what we want it to mean, yet it also means a bunch of other things that are not specific enough. Amen? And so when um, I had this conversation with him, um, he was not aware that as he, had, uh, as he has made a decision uh, to follow Christ, and he's still learning what that looks like, he didn't understand that he also, uh, that was a decision to be a disciple. And so I think actually uh, that's emblematic of a lot of uh, ways that the church, uh, or a lot of ways that we kind of misunderstand what that, uh, the difference between what God calls us to and then maybe what we label ourselves, okay? And so um, I want to uh, start off with a few questions as opposed to reading. And, um, and so on your sheet, you've got a couple questions there under the scriptures. And so first, the question I want you to discuss around your table, and I, uh, and I may ask, I may not, um, do names or labels matter? Like what we call ourselves, what you call other people, does that really matter? Okay. Um, and then talk about that, and then I'll stop you off that question, and then I'll ask you just to spend a little bit of time by yourself defining what it means to be a Christian, and then also want to see what you think, what it means to be a disciple. And so that's something you'll do by yourself. So the first thing is, just discuss around your table, do you think names or labels matter? And if you do, why? If you don't, why? All right, take some time to do that. All right. Um, so as y'all are finishing up the uh, names or labels matter conversation, uh, move to just give, uh, I'll give you like two minutes uh, on each of these. Um, and I want you to think just individually, uh, just write down, um, you know, what you think it means to be a Christian, what you think it means to be a disciple. So there is a right and wrong answer, but I don't want you to think about that. <laughs> I want you to write, uh, just write down, again, for nobody to see, just, uh, that's, I just want to get the brain to be, um, to be working and thinking in that manner. So just take just a second to do that. Okay, thank you guys for um, thinking about that a minute. So uh, a couple people, if they would be so brave as to share uh, whether or not they think labels uh, or names matter. 
Show of hands, who thinks labels or names matter? All right. Uh, Hodges, why, why? Because they give you expectations. They give you, um, you know, requirements. Kind of like if you bill yourself as a doctor, you better be yeah. knowledgeable about the human body. Absolutely. They're assuming that. Be willing to help. Yeah. I think that's a great word, right? It sets expectations. Emma, anything to add? Okay. <laughs> All right, anybody over here? Yeah. I don't know what he said. He was good to hear him. Okay, he said uh, it sets an expectation. Oh, okay. I think in the broader sense, it's just price likeness. Okay. Um, that was just a name that was given to them. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're talking about just names in general. We'll get to that one in just a second. <laughs> but, um, so if you've ever heard this term in uh, linguistics, they have this idea that uh, words don't have inherent meaning, they have usage. And what this means is if you've ever gone on Google, yes and you've seen like what the word meant in 1678 and then what it meant in 1790, right? There's, it changed, okay? And uh, this is because we don't use words in the ways that we learn them all the time. This is how uh, slang is used. We use it to appropriate something and then it continues to be used. And as it's used, it's uh, adhered to or uh, used by other people and it becomes right part of our vernacular. And so this is hard for us because um, the way things are done, right, ma uh, changes the way things are thought of, okay? And so, um, and it's no different um, in the names and labels that are in the Bible. We think of ourselves, right, as Christians, and we should. Um, we've heard all, you probably heard all sorts of things about what that means. The closest approximation of what it means is of Christ's household, okay? And so these are people who are of uh, the household uh, of Jesus Christ. Now, in the Bible, though, uh, there's three times that that word is used, and one of them is to say that Christians began being called this, right, um, in Antioch. And so it's in Acts 11:26. And so there's only uh, two other times in Scripture that the word Christian is used. So what is the word that is used most often in Scripture? And it's the word um, that's translated in English as disciple. The Greek word is uh, mathetes, Right, and it means learner or pupil, right, of a teacher. And so that is how they uh, thought about that. So as you're thinking about how's the world, uh, what, what's the semantic range, okay, and what that means is a word, it has many definitions. All right, what, are you, what uh, to you is the uh, semantic range of the word Christian? How would you define Christian? So we can, uh, as Clayton said, it, it means to be Christ-like. That is one idea. What else? What are some other ideas uh, that the world thinks when they use the word Christian? We use it as a noun and as an adjective. What are some ideas? Good and bad. Helpful and unhelpful. Someone that has a set of traditions or values. Yeah, someone that has a set of traditions or values. What else? Someone who goes to church. Someone who goes to church. Yeah, someone who just intellectually believes. I believe that more than I believe this other thing, right? And I call myself a Christian. So that's a pretty wide range, right? Someone who's Christ-like, someone that goes to church, <laughs> someone that assents to the beliefs, right, of um, uh, some of the things that are said in the Bible. What about disciple? How is that different um, than just the word Christian? What's the, is the semantic range on that broad or is it pretty narrow? 
What do we think of when we think of disciple? Yep. Yeah, a follower of Christ. But some of us actually only think of disciple as one of the apostles, one of the 12, right? One of the foremost that are spending the most time with Jesus. They were apostles, but they were also disciples. 200, right, and 73 times it uses this word mathetes, right? To describe those that uh, are following him, learning from him, being in relationship with him. And this has repercussions for us. So, um, so I want to read our scripture to us um, in Acts 6, 1 through 7. So you follow along in your Bible or on your handout. And so, um, and so we're going to work through why we want to look at this scripture in helping us understand uh, how we maybe need to label ourselves differently than we currently do. And so that's the challenge today. So Acts 6, verse 1. In those days, as the disciples were increasing in number, there arose a complaint by the Hellenistic Jews against the Hebraic Jews that their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution. The twelve summoned the whole company of the disciples and said it would not be right for us to give up preaching the word of God to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and wisdom, whom we can appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole company, so they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, and Philip, um, Prochorus, uh, Nicanor, uh, Timon, Parmenius, and uh, Nicholas, a convert from Antioch. And they had them stand before the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. And so the word of God spread. The disciples in Jerusalem increased greatly in number, and a large group of priests became obedient to the faith. So I want you to think about, as we think about this idea of how you label yourself, how the, uh, how the world may label you between Christian and disciple, as um, Christian because it has so many different derivations, I think sometimes we think of ourselves compartmentally like that as well. That sometimes I'm a Christian like this, and sometimes I'm a Christian like that. But when we see from the scripture that we, uh, the word uh, mathetes is, is uh, translated into the word disciple three times in our passage, and each time it refers to just a company, right, those that are with Jesus. It's not special, okay? It actually distinguishes between the apostles, right, the twelve, right, and just the folks that are following him. Now, um, now what I think that you probably would agree with is that one of our most important concerns should be, right, God's agenda, yes? Okay, but the label and how we think of ourselves actually plays a huge part in our attitude about uh, trying to kind of keep in our mind what God's agenda is, right, and our doing it. Would you agree with that? Yeah. And so really, we, uh, whatever we call ourselves, we should be thoughtful about that because I think it, it impacts what, um, what our goals are, okay, in life. Um, but it also helps us understand that if we are part of God's household, we are followers of his, we're trying to learn from him, do what he wants, right, then we want to get done what God wants done, right? And so the thing that I think is, uh, that kind of smacked me in the face as, face as I was talking to my son, is that he was really comfortable with the label, but not the agenda, That we're really, really, we're really comfortable about a lot of things that we call ourselves or that we do, but, I, 
but it, it, it's got to affect what God wants done because what God wants done is not done as much as probably it should be. Amen? But here's the thing. The only one that God calls to do what he wants done is his disciples. And so for us, I think the question before us is to remind her is, am I of that company? Am I a company that's just a fan of God or the church or things that are happening? Or do I want to be a part of what things are happening? Do I have an expectation, right, of being a part of God's agenda? And so that's a really hard question, right? Because that's not something that I really put on myself. I do it as I feel like it. Feeling really good today or uh, uh, something fell into my lap and I get it done. So what I want you to do is you'll, if you flip over, um, and I've got actually a little outline here. And what I want to talk about is as we look at each of these verses, I want to highlight for you, there's, there's one thing going on, but there's something, there's kind of a subtext here is, is helping us understand that besides the actual thing that's happening where we see that uh, the, the deacon, the office of deacon is born in the early church, we also have a subtext for that this is how God's people should operate as his disciples. Okay? And so that's, what I, that's the argument that I want to put forth to you today, and that is what I want you to think about and uh, deal with personally. So the first thing we see um, uh, in our verses is, In those days, as the disciples were increasing, uh, increasing in number, there arose a complaint by the Hellenistic Jews against the Hebraic Jews that their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution. So here's just a little bit of history that will be helpful. All right, so as the word of God was spreading, right, it first came through the Israelite people who see themselves as Jewish, but the Jewish people lived elsewhere through, um, through uh, different wars and displacements, right? They had scattered uh, throughout the area. Now, when we're thinking about um, Hellenistic Jews versus Hebraic Jews, is Hebraic Jews is their background, right, ethnically is Hebrew, that they've lived among those people and that is how they act. Hellenistic Jews are Greek Jews, that they follow a Greek culture. Everything about how they do things versus how, uh, how Hebraic Jews do things. And so because uh, uh, the Hebrew people uh, feel very strongly about their culture being adhered to, right, as they see uh, Jews living elsewhere with uh, being, uh, having a little bit different traditions, maybe doing things uh, otherwise, as we do, well, the Presbyterians over there, right, the Methodists over there, they do things a little differently. We want to segregate ourselves. They did the same here. This is not what God wants. This is what people do. So he says, uh, widows in that time, women were very um, fragile in that, that if they did not have a family, right, that took care of them or a husband that took care of them in this time, they didn't have much means of making money. They didn't have much means of living someplace. They had to live in someone's house. When someone's husband died, right, they had already left their family. But when someone's husband died, they were um, vulnerable. And so it was up to a family member, right, uh, to take care of them. But what was often happening is they were not being taken care of. Do you like to do extra work? No. People don't like doing extra work. When somebody is, hey, I've got a burden here, <laughs> Does somebody want to take in this burden? The general human reaction is no. 
But one of the first things, right, that the church understood is that they, that as we are God's people and he teaches us that we actually are to care for all people, including, right, our household as family. And so one of the first things that they did that was countercultural, right, is they began taking care of those that nobody else took care of, the vulnerable among them. And so this is where the complaint arises. See, the first, uh, the first uh, blank that we want to see here is um, where disciples are, need is revealed. And so I think this is one of the first characteristics that we can tell whether we think of ourselves simply as Christian or as followers of Christ, right, is, is that when there is a need, that need is my problem. You understand? There's needs all over the place, but how many needs are your problem? See, needs aren't, aren't uh, going to be taken care of by you until, unless you personalize them, unless you say, that, that is mine, I'll make sure that that is taken care of, right? We have so many responsibilities, and yet we struggle, right, with thinking about, well, what extra responsibilities should I take on? Where disciples are, need is revealed, because they are looking to meet needs, yes? When you're in the mindset of trying to be helpful, do you find things to do? Absolutely. Our kids, when they actually like want to be helpful, I mean, I'm doing stuff all day long that they're not doing. If they just ask one question, I can give them 10 things to do, right? And yet, most of the time, they're literally walking around, I'm, or uh, my daughter yesterday, I'm bored. I'm not. <laughs> As a minister, you may say, like, oh, I wonder what I should do. If you ask me, Rob, are you bored? I am not. I am. I got too much to do. There's too many uh, people that need caring for. There's too many people uh, that I uh, want a further relationship with. And yet, a lot of times, Christians are walking around, I wonder what there is to do. But as we see here, the disciples brought up this complaint because need was not being met. They understood that that's what we do. We meet needs. This need is not being met. And so we bring it to the disciples, those that should care, those that do care. So I want to encourage you that that is a good check for your attitude is, am I noticing needs around me? And do I see those needs as needs that I need to deal with? And so God sets that agenda for us. Number two, let's look at verses two and three. It goes on the 12, hearing this complaint, okay? There's a large number of people, there's a large number of needs. Hearing this, the 12, the apostles, summoned everybody, okay? So it's not just whoever wanted to come, this is an all call, and everybody came. So think about if we did an all call, right, at any church here, and who said, hey, all the disciples come. Right? Everyone who has a vested interest in God's agenda, you come. Would that look different who is in that sanctuary than is in the sanctuary just randomly coming? I would think so. Because they're saying, hey, come all who care. Come all who think that they need to be doing something. Um, uh, one of, uh, our, uh, one of our community here, um, he uh, did this really well. I won't name him. I don't want to uh, puff him up too much. He's not here this morning. Um, but when, we were, when there was a need that arose when he was in college, we would put out, as, as you do in, in messages, hey, there's this need. 
And this person would never ask if he could help. He literally would just be there every time. And if he couldn't be there, then he would say, I'm sorry. So out of all the people maybe that were in this message, maybe 50 or 60 people, he was the only one that assumed that he was to be there. Isn't that interesting? That so often as we think about ourselves, our Americanness just runs through our veins. We are individuals. I actually decide when I, when I care. <laughs> I decide when I'm a part. And when we become, when we think of ourselves as disciples, that part is given away from us. When the call goes out, I'm a part of the call. I don't distinguish. I go. Or I say, as this person did, I'm so sorry I can't be there. Because the expectation for him was that he would be there. That is so countercultural, is it not? That is so countercultural. That is how the, God wants his family to be. So in the second verse, as he summons the whole company of disciples, and they say, it would not be right for us to give up preaching the word of God to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and wisdom, whom we can appoint for this duty. See, when uh, the second one, where disciples are, needs are met. So this first one, needs are revealed, and the second one, needs are met. Disciples know when there's needs because they care. It's my problem. But also, it's not just my problem, but we're going to do something about the problem, right? So he says, hey, you, do, you deal with this. It's not, it's not like, I wonder if we should deal with that. He said, that's a problem. Let's deal with it. And, he make, and they make a plan, the group of them, to do something about it. So let's look at this third one. Again, verses, uh, verses 2 and 3. As a, as a community, and I struggle with this uh, for the longest time too, and I'm, I'm uh, in a different part of the community as a servant and shepherd, that um, a lot of times when calls go out, well, we assume, well, Rob, aren't you going to do it? <laughs> right? Isn't, like that, isn't that what we pay Richard for? But see, we, we also have to understand in, in our family, right, dad does certain things, mom does certain things, brother does certain things, sister does certain things, 20-year-olds do certain things, 5-year-olds do certain things, or not do certain things, right? <laughs> We've got to understand that as I see myself, right, as a, as a person that reveals needs and a person that meets needs, I also understand that... Um, that where disciples are, right, the mission doesn't stop. So if I had to do everything that needed to be done, which I do way too much, right, that Megan does, that, uh, that everybody does in here, right, that, that, the, that there's certain things that wouldn't get done. And so if I don't see myself as part of the family, right, if dad's busy cutting the grass, right, then... That doesn't mean that after he gets done cutting the grass that he needs to come in, right, and do all the dishes and mop the floor and do all the laundry, right? Like this is why some of, uh, I won't go into this, but, <laughs> but that is kind of how some of us operate. That's your job. But God's trying to change that. He's trying to help us understand that all of us, right, matter in the family of God. All of us need to, to contribute. 
And so because the mission has to keep done, if, if the disciples stopped preaching and teaching and just started uh, doing uh, that, then preaching and teaching would not happen. You know how long it takes to do the preaching and teaching? <laughs> to do the follow-up? You know how long it takes to vacuum this building? Right? That, that, peop- that there's so many things to do that we've got to understand and it's not kind of blanketly, ah, At what age were you when you understood how much your mom and dad actually did on a daily basis? How old were you? Throw out some ages. 19. (laughs) If 18 years of your life have absolutely no idea what was going on in the family. Right? What actually went into getting food on the table or uh, that there wasn't like poop in the corner? Where disciples are, the mission doesn't stop. And so we've got to understand everything that goes into the mission and understand that I need to do my part. All right, so let's look at verses 3 and 4. Brothers and sisters, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and wisdom, whom we can appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer in the ministry of the word. See, as the people understood, right, that they couldn't do anything, particularly the apostles, right, that he's saying, hey, I need somebody else to learn to do the things that need to be done. And so on this fourth and where the disciples are, the next generation is given opportunity to lead. In your, in your own familial household, were you kept from understanding how to do things because somebody just kept doing them for you? In many, not in all instances, but in many instances, yes? Um, this is not to toot my horn. I lived with a single mom. At the age of eight, I had to be able to clean the house because it wasn't getting cleaned unless I cleaned it, right? She was working like two or three jobs. She wasn't home very much, right? So it's out of necessity, right? And this is a necessity. It is a necessity that everyone get involved in the work. If it's not, it doesn't get done. Or the people there get burnt out. Have you seen, uh, have you ever seen an article about a pastor that's just like, I'm done? <laughs> or a missionary, I'm done. Right? Or a worker in the harvest, I'm done. Why? Why? Why do they get burnt out? Any guesses? Stretch too thin. Stretch too thin. Because no one sees themselves as they see themselves. We're not seeing ourselves as like disciples. All right, last two. Verses 5 and 6. Now as they made this proposal that we'll make up a, a people and we'll continue to do what we do and that need is met, it says this, proposal pleased the whole company. Imagine that, a decision was made (laughs) and everybody was like, that's a good decision. Can you imagine? (laughs) Because the point was to get the thing done, not our individual agenda. I don't want to do that because that makes me uncomfortable, right? This is how we answer. This is how I answer. This is how you answer. Versus, but does that solve the problem? Can I be inconvenienced to help solve the problem? I can. I just don't. 
The proposal pleased the whole company, and so they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and the other names that I pronounced very poorly. And they had them stand before the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. Where disciples are, people are deployed for ministry. Guys, I hope you're uh, kind of getting, right, that I, I don't think it's just the American church. I think just as we get things and as we don't have that many needs, right, like I can buy what I need, I can, I can drive from here to there, I don't need anybody to give me a ride. Like when we have those needs, I get like uh, that, that becomes my culture. And when God calls me to do things, my culture comes against his culture. Yes? And I've been challenged here because as I see myself as a disciple, I actually, I don't, my culture doesn't come up as much because I see myself as one who's following him and learning, trying to unlearn, right? (laughs) More than hold on to the culture that I enjoy. See, when we see ourselves as disciples, right, we see, we, we, we actually see the needs around us and those needs are met. Right, we understand that the mission can't stop because there is a need, that we need to mobilize and do that. Where disciples are, we understand that, like, I'm not going to be here at some point, and other people need to continue, right, the things that God has called us to. They need opportunity to lead. I've got to get out of the way. I've got to give opportunity. You do as well, and you need to take opportunity. Right, where disciples are, people are right, raised up, right, and they're deployed. They're sent out to do very particular tasks. And then lastly, verse 7, So the word of God spread, and the disciples in Jerusalem increased greatly in number, and a large group of priests became obedient to the faith. This last one, where disciples are, the mission is accomplished. I want you to set this scenario in, in uh, a church, if you've been at this church your whole life, or another one, that this comes up, how many times out of 10 does the mission like this happen? How many times does a situation like this and the mission gets put on pause for a day or two days or a week or a month or never, and never gets back on track? Because it's so hard <laughs> to get people moving in the same direction for the same agenda, God's agenda. And yet we see in here both a situation right, in a prescription, that any problem can come up. They come up every day. They'll, four or five of them will come up this week. Yes, Megan? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, that's how I feel too. And yet, as we see, as people call themselves or see themselves as disciples, and this is my argument, this is why we don't do this consistently, is that the problem is handled and the mission is accomplished. It's so. It's not, in spite of all this, we still had Sunday service. (laughs) Right? In spite of all this, somebody talked to their neighbor. It says, so the word of God spread. It's basically just showing the general functioning of the church and how it's supposed to function. It's a high calling, as he's called us out of our culture to learning his. Called us out of labeling us as is convenient for us been, and instead labeling us inconveniently, labeling myself as a disciple, as a follower of his, that I do what he does, that I don't know how to do it other, other than that. 
right? And so that's the challenge this morning. Right, I'm going to challenge you to really think about how you label yourself. And if you label yourself uh, well three days out of the week, and four days are like, eh, well then, flip, flip that up. Let's go to four days and five days, six days, seven days. That's what, that's what our hope is. That we would think of ourselves, right, as our, if I'm an Uber driver or Lyft, right, that my light is on. I'm available. <laughs> Disciple. Right, my app is running. I can receive messages. <laughs> I can be deployed. Um, so I want to give you um, just a, a, a couple minutes, and then I'll close this in prayer. Um, yeah, just react to that. Just any thoughts you have, whether or not, okay, I have a counter-argument. He's an idiot. But I really want you to think about this, that as we look at this example, both of what happened but as, as prescriptive of what if we saw ourselves as disciples all the time, all of us, right, and what we could accomplish as God calls us to it. So just take just a couple minutes, kick that around the table, I'll pray for us and dismiss. So just want to close with a prayer um, and a verse. Um, if this is one that you want to uh, write down and, and uh, just spend some time with uh, later, it's Philippians 2, 1 through 2. Um, and then, um, if there's any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, make my joy complete by thinking the same way, having the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. I think this is definitely something that Jesus wants us to pray, right? That this is his heart. This is uh, Paul shares this with the Philippians, but I absolutely think that this would be fitting for Jesus to pray this, that his, his joy is that uh, making his joy would be complete was us basically joining him in the, the attitudes that he asks us for here. So let's pray. Father, I pray that this, um, this community, Father, would make your joy complete. Father, by thinking the same way that you think, by seeing themselves the same way, um, that you see them um, by, uh, by understanding uh, the joy that is to be found um, in the service of others, uh, in serving together, Father, and being a family. Uh, family is one of the strongest ideas that we have in this country, uh, and yet we don't know how to do that very well. There's a strong desire for it, Father. Would you teach us how to be a family of faith that is here for your agenda and that we uh, long to have it accomplished, not just see other people do it. And so, Lord, this morning as we go into um, the service, as we are uh, gathered with whoever gathers with us today, uh, Father, would we be uh, of one mind and one purpose um, as we praise you, um, as we pray for one another, as we sit under your teaching, and as we do uh, whatever it is we'll do uh, the rest of the weekend. Lord, we love you and we thank you for this time. In Christ's name, amen.